0: Welcome to the Bringing the Human Back to Human Resources podcast, the podcast all about the delicate balance between people and business, and quite literally, reconnecting the two. My name is Tracy Rubin, and I've spent nearly my entire professional career in HR. Join me as I share stories, opinions, and words of advice with you each week. Hi, everyone. This is Tracy Rubin. Welcome back to the podcast. I can't believe that we are officially at the end of the craziest Most insane year ever, the end of 2020. I thought that today we could talk about our our year in review. I have a lot of thoughts related to 2020 and the things that we've learned from 2020, as well as the things that we never want to experience again, which I think we can all think of a few things in both categories. I started this podcast in November of 2020. The very first episode of this podcast was called Destigmatizing HR. And you can scroll back if you haven't listened yet. I think it's actually my most popular episode to date. I spent all of that time on the first episode talking about how it's my life goal, my career, my mission to destigmatize HR and to really break down all of the things that HR. Gets a bad rep for and kind of turn it on its head. And now, headed into 2021, I kind of want to review what 2020 was like in the workforce, but also how everyone kind of destigmatized their own careers in so many ways. Because actually, if there's anything that we learned from 2020, it's that we flushed the format, nothing stayed the same. Nothing was done the way that it used to be done or the way it was always done. So we're all in our own ways challenging the status quo. That's what 2020 has been all about taking what has been done and doing something differently. The most obvious example of that is actually how the workforce has had to adapt to lockdowns and restrictions and capacity limitations and things like that. So actually the change and the the requirement for agility from every single employed person has been really incredible to watch because people used to be able to get away with saying, I'm not good with change, I I hate change. But actually, if you're not changing, if you don't change, if you didn't change in 2020, actually it was a question on whether you were going to survive or not, whether you're going to be employed or not. And some of the other changes that we've seen are related to innovation and leadership. This whole year has called for an elevated standard of leadership more than any year I've ever seen. In 2020, managers, leaders, employees were expected to work so collaboratively with so much innovative thinking. They were required to be agile and adaptable and Optimistic. It really challenged the status quo for every single behavior that may have existed before. I think it's something really compelling. And I'm sure that in five to 10 years from now, there will be many books, many articles published on how the COVID 19 pandemic impacted or changed work forever and changed the workforce forever. And I'd be remiss not to pay attention to those who also lost their jobs. There were millions of people in the U.S., let alone around the world, who lost their jobs. And that is a major life event. In all of my leadership trainings, we've always talked about how major life events can actually change the way that you lead. And so those are some major life events that could change the way that we lead or that we work forever. I can't wait to come back to this episode in five or ten years and, hopefully, and reference this exact point because it'll be really interesting to kind of be able to like look back and and potentially even like quote myself a little bit. We'll see. But I think that we've all thought about this in some ways, like how we want things that happened in 2020 to stay. Like maybe we want a more flexible work schedule. Maybe we want to work remotely 100% of the time. Maybe we thought we wanted to work remotely and we absolutely don't. So there are things that happened that impacted us that required us to be agile, but also taught us what we want out of our future careers, employment, whatever. So I found a really interesting article from Forbes that was published back in November. It's titled, What Should Employees Highlight in 2020's Annual Performance Review? And actually, I didn't come to this article because of the annual performance review title. I came to it because I thought it would be interesting to see if they talked about all of the things that required employees and leaders to change and adapt throughout the year, which it does. And I spoke about annual reviews and goal setting a couple episodes ago. So I'm not going to go into that again, but I think it's really interesting because, and I want to quote something here. They said, the ways in which the workforce has changed outnumbers the ways it has stayed the same. Employees and employers alike have been forced to adapt in order to stay relevant and productive. That's like exactly true. That is a really compelling sentence. I'd go so far as to even say that changing and adapting are required for self-preservation. It's not even about being relevant or staying relevant and productive. It's actually about keeping your job, staying afloat, having a job, being able to get through this pandemic healthy. I mean, if we take this outside the scope of business, if you didn't change and adapt in 2020 you put yourself in a health risk and you put others in a health risk, right? Because like we never had to wear masks and social distance every single day. So if someone didn't change or adapt, and we know many people out there did not change or adapt and are part of the problem. But if we didn't do that, then we actually, yeah, we're part of the problem. So not only did we need to change and adapt in order to have self-preservation, stay relevant, remain productive, But we actually also needed to do it for our own health and safety, as well as the health and safety of others. Today, I'm really not going to go into too much more. I just wanted to bring that in for food for thought. I'm going to keep this episode short because it is New Year's week, and I want us to really have like a little micro episode to get us into the new year. I am so looking forward to 2021. I think on every single episode, I've talked about the new year. And it's just crazy to think that the year has flown by, but also has been the longest year of probably all of our lives. So really my last point on this year in review within business, within HR, within ourselves, it's really about how much we have learned, how much we've taken away. I'm leaving this year, going into 2021, really having a positive reflection on how 2020 has impacted me, in my career, and the people that I work with. So I actually am really grateful for for this year. I'm really grateful for the things that I've learned, for the things that I've taken away, and not only professionally. So I'm going to take that as a segue because on Instagram, I had posed a question to all of you. If you follow me on Instagram, then you probably saw this. But I asked everyone, what is your most profound takeaway from 2020, professionally or personally? And I got a lot of responses that inspired discussion from others. So I'm going to read the few that I had reshared in that moment. So the first, work does not and should never define me. Mic drop, right? We we have all become just one with our careers over the course of Our experiences, because in at least like in the United States, we are what we do. Like, I'm an HR professional, and in my personal life, people come to me for advice, and what I do is who I am. However, this person brings up a really good point it shouldn't define us. We are more than our careers. I'm more than just an HR director, I'm more than even just a podcast host. Right. And so we all, we're all onions. There's so many layers to pull back. If you want to be defined by your job, that's a great thing. But keep in mind that work, you know, work is fleeting sometimes. We all have our jobs one day and we could all not have our jobs the next day. So if it defines you, how do you cope with that if you lose it? Some of you listening might not have a job at all. And you might be able to relate to this the most that if we're defined by the work that we do, that could be like a little unhealthy because the minute we lose our job or we're, our job changes or something about what we do is not what we feel we're defined by, we we could have a really difficult time. So think about how you can have a healthy relationship with your career. Another submission that I got that I really enjoyed was: "Good coworkers matter so much; couldn't be here without them." Amen, sis, I don't know what I would do if I didn't have the coworkers that I have. We have all in so many ways gotten each other through this this year, um, and we've relied on each other. I think even before 2020, coworkers mattered so much because if you worked in an environment that was incredible with incredible people, amazing coworkers, it's really hard to leave. So the better we do with hiring the more likely we are to see that continued retention, actually, because if I think about, you know, you hire someone who's a really, really good fit and you hire another person who's a really, really good fit, those people are going to thrive off of each other. They're coworkers, they're colleagues, they're going to benefit and it's going to be a symbiotic relationship. You hire someone who is not a good fit and it could actually derail your person who is a good fit and they might end up leaving. So I think of a whole slew of things when that comes up. You need to prioritize yourself first personally and then professionally. You are number one. These types of submissions have made me think about this whole 2020 year in review. I think that probably before the pandemic, so let's say January, February, or even predating 2020, we all were defined by our jobs, put work first, ourselves second, I know I've done that, and I bet that 2020 has given us this takeaway because we have seen how we've had to challenge the status quo, and we've had to just completely uproot ourselves from what used to be to a new way of working, of living, of surviving. And so I'm sure that of the submissions that I didn't get, people probably related a lot to these comments about how work doesn't define us. Work doesn't come first. It's about ourselves first. And actually most importantly, I think that's probably because the pandemic has taken a lot of lives. I am worth it no matter if it's self-love, work, relationship, etc. You are worth it. This comes back to like so many things. You're worth the salary that you want within means, of course. You are worth having a job that makes you feel happy, inspired, motivated, you are worth all of that in the work sense. And then outside of work, you are worth all of it. If we are not our best selves coming to work, work is not going to be a representation of all the things that we can do. So you have to be 100% complete and whole on your own, not only as a person, but as a professional. Because if we don't come to work just completely ourselves, if we don't come to work happy and complete, and obviously there are things that happen that might impact our happiness at work, of course, but really what I'm trying to get at is the more you work on yourself, the more it's going to positively impact the things that you apply yourself to, whether that's work, volunteering, school, whatever it is that you're involved with. And finally, the submission that inspired the most discussion, stop procrastinating and do the things you're afraid to do. Even if it feels big or scary, it's worth it. I didn't realize how much of a discussion this would inspire, but it really did. So many people wrote in after that, that they, to kind of do this, they procrastinate when something feels overwhelming, when it's big, when it's scary when it feels like something that's going to require a lot of time. And I had shared some tips on that, you know, breaking down the task, separating things so that they're small micro tasks that you can accomplish more easily instead of looking at it as a big picture. And so many people had written in saying, yeah, I actually do that. I break things down. And I got so many responses that people do become afraid of, a large task, a large project. And I think that this is super normal. I think we've all been there. I've been there. There are ways to get through it. And there are people who do it better than others. And there are people who are still learning how to kind of implement those solutions so that there isn't all of that feeling of fear when it comes to you know a task or a project at hand. And I think a lot of that does come with time and experience. Projects become bigger as you get promoted you get more and more responsibility maybe you're not even promoted and you're just taking on more responsibility because teams are lean right now those things they they call on on a skill set and if you're developing that skill set certainly bigger projects or things that do require a lot of time you might be totally totally prepared for in terms of your skill set but actually you've never had to kind of attack or manage that type of project. And so it feels really daunting. And I think all of this comes back to that comment of like, you're worth it, that confidence in knowing that you can do it. And I think that most of the time when I speak with employees, there's a fear around like being able to accomplish something or feeling that confidence or a lack of confidence and this probably ties into the procrastination. Know that if you are given an assignment, it's because that someone believes in you, in your abilities to complete that assignment. And so yes, it might be, feel big, it might feel scary, it might be overwhelming, but you can do it. And so it's all about how you get to the end result, right? It's always about the journey, not about where you're going. And so if you can... Step back, look at what it is that you're being asked to do, break down what you can accomplish each day, each week, each month, depending on the scope of the project, you're going to not only feel so good about what you've accomplished, but it's actually going to build your confidence. And it's okay to make a mistake. If you don't get the project right 100% of the time, that's okay. What I always encourage too is to actually check in with your manager if you're completing a project. Have milestone markers. So let's say there are five phases to the project and you complete the first phase, check in with your manager. I think that this probably curated a lot of discussion because so many of us are in this position of having to manage things or accomplish things, and they are potentially a little bit bigger than what we've had to do before, or we're just spread a little bit thin and it's a lot to accomplish at once. So that is my 2020 year in review. I know I've said it so many times, but thank you for giving me the opportunity to host this podcast, have really positive and constructive and interesting conversations with you on LinkedIn, on Instagram, by email. I just appreciate it so much. It inspires me and motivates me every single day and week. So thank you so much. I'm really looking forward to 2021. I have a lot of goals and dreams and aspirations for this podcast, and I won't be able to get there without those of you who listen. So thank you so much. As always, you can find me on Instagram at hrtracy. That's H-R-T-R-A-C-I. You can connect with me on LinkedIn. Just search my first and last name. And you can email me at podcast at hrtracy.com. Stay in touch with me because I have some very exciting things happening in the first week of 2021. And I look forward to seeing you all in the new year. Thank you so much. See you in 2021.